Hi, I'm Nick Horrocks from X.0 Advisory, and welcome to My Digital Journey, a series of podcasts about how technology continues to influence, challenge, and disrupt business. We'll hear from entrepreneurs creating online platforms, right through to adventurers using social media to develop their own personal brand. We'll also hear from people in more traditional industries about how digital is disrupting their prevailing business models and how they are looking to address these challenges. These podcasts aim to highlight the issues faced by businesses and entrepreneurs in the modern digital environment. What made them successful? What mistakes they made? How they look to the future? And how they financed those ambitions? Coming up in this episode. I'm Matthew Elliott, co-founder of Nevo, and this is my digital journey. We are the first ever tech spin-up from Barclays Bank. It happened as a, as a consequence of uh, tenacity and drive from ourselves, a little bit of serendipity and, and good support from Barclays, who at the time were very encouraging to support ambition and entrepreneurship as a key strand of their entrepreneur agenda. I'm Matthew Elliott, co-founder of Nevo, uh, 39 years old, born and bred in Manchester, went to Manchester Grammar School, then on to Salford University, uh, first class degree in business, got me onto the Barclays Leadership Programme, uh, and it's in a tier one UK banks where I spent most of my career, uh, largely working through business analysis into project management, so ultimately all around delivering technology for making customer experiences better. Towards the latter stage of that, around 2015, I got really excited by the emergence of uh, digital and mobile and what we call fintech, so financial services technology, and I was approached to take a role at Barclays Innovation Arm. I was always in it, though, from the start of that role to learn more about fintech and entrepreneurship. I knew I wanted to do something myself as I was in my kind of early, mid-30s, and I felt the best way to explore that world was to take this role and learn it from within that safe environment with a view to finding a, a, a young uh, startup to, to join. Um, as it happens, in that environment, that's where I met my um, co-founder of Nevo uh, and current CEO, Mike Common. You, you've come a long way from, I guess, from having started in Barclays to setting up their, working in their innovation hub to now being an entrepreneur and running a business. Yeah, the company's Nevo. Um, it's like WhatsApp. But instead of having your friends and family in there, you've got a range of regulated service providers. So anything from financial services, banks, lenders, brokers, through to solicitors and accountants. And you can pull your phone out of your pocket and instantly message them about absolutely anything, anytime. So we're the only instant messaging network that's safe enough for banks to trust. The idea is that multiple consumers can talk to multiple brands through our networks completely securely and in full knowledge that the person they're talking to is who they claim to be. We've hooked in a range of leading fintech features like identity verification where you hold your phone over your driving license and over your face, open banking, the ability to share files and and photos. And, And the combination of that means that a customer can do absolutely everything that's required as part of any service or sign up journey all over that really convenient channel 24-7. We've built it deliberately as software as a service, and the reason that's really good is that any brand can join our network for free in minutes without any technical effort whatsoever, have their brand on there and have their team of contact centre agents on the other end of the tool. 
and we work with them to prove the value it's going to create for them in terms of cutting sign-up times down from six weeks to 15 minutes or getting customer advocacy scores up to, to nine and ten in terms of the ease and convenience and the loyalty. Uh, and then if that's working for them, we move on to a rolling monthly licence fee. So you started Nevo within Barclays. Yeah, that's right. So how did that work? And, and, and then also, how did it come... Because it's now an, an independent company. How did that spin-out process work? Because there, there must be people who are doing similar sort of things within similar organisations, incubators within big organisations. How did that journey work for you? Sure, yeah, it was really exciting. So um, we are the first ever spin-out, uh, tech spin-out from Barclays Bank. Um, and yeah, it happened as a, as a consequence of... Uh, tenacity and drive from ourselves, a little bit of serendipity and, and good support from uh, Barclays, who at the time were very encouraging to um, support ambition and entrepreneurship as a key strand of their entrepreneur agenda. So we'd been obsessing kind of on the side of our desks around how to take friction out of these customer journeys. We knew it was a big problem for banks. They spend hundreds of millions of pounds a year on it, but it, it, it really doesn't touch the sides like 80% of people are still dropping out of applications that take five weeks plus on average. Um, so when we realised this simplicity of this instant messaging channel, one that people love, and the power that could have if it was secure enough for banks to trust, um, we became obsessed with it. Now, we were employees at that point. Um, but, you know, I was working innovation, and we both got a good track record of, of loyal and strong performance, so good relationships with our managers along with um, sponsorship we'd gained from a, uh, the owner of one of the operational contact centres who saw the value in using our tool uh, along with the fortune of timing of the Techstars programme allowed us to present to our, um, our bosses and say, hey, can we have three months outside of our full-time job to focus on building this solution? There's someone in the business that wants it. We're going to do it through this formal Barclays Techstars Accelerator programme you know, we'd, we'd love to do that. We think it can be a great thing for Barclays to be involved in. And the deal was that at the end of that time, uh, we would have the option to spin it out as an independent company, become directors of it, um, and have it as a wholly owned 100% outside of uh, Barclays' business that we would be able to pursue external um, investment to get it off the ground. And Barclays were comfortable with that as a concept, presumably? You know, Barclays is a, is a many-headed beast. Um, so we had good senior relationships with our immediate managers, the sponsors, and critically in the commercial team of the investment bank, who uh, are MDs who are empowered to do the right thing. So we're talking about humans being comfortable with it rather than a big a Barclays thing. They were supportive of the ambition. Uh, they knew it was the kind of thing they wanted to do more of. You know, They're a bank. Uh, they don't hope to make money in future by building an instant messaging communications network um, they can get value from it but they don't need to invest the, the time, money and resources to, to deliver it um, so they were comfortable in, in uh, allowing us to do that and it was a very formal process, lots of legal uh, documentation, lots of commercial things to work through as you'd expect um, and yeah it was all made relatively straightforward for us to negotiate that exit and what you're offering is really a, a very exciting product which can be used by huge financial institutions, 
you know, large law firms, all sorts of professional services companies who got big risks that they faced. They have compliance issues. They have data protection issues, all sorts of things like that. How do you, as a, a very small company, persuade these really large enterprises that you are the way forward? Number one, it was built inside Barclays, so by experienced professionals ourselves. Number two, we have that experience of getting things done in large organisations, so when we face into them, we know where the conversation's going and how to patiently manage that and give them what they need. Number three, um, it's very low risk. It would typically cost over a million pounds to get something like this out there and trialled with end users, whereas what you can do with our technology, you can be up and running on it even if it's just with 100 customers for a time box trial, very quickly to prove the benefits before you have to, as an organisation, invest in heavier overheads of, of becoming a more strategic solution. All, all that said, the beauty of our system being a software-as-a-service tool is it's broadly the same tool that's used, whether it's for a large bank with hundreds of people in a contact centre or a single-person landlord or independent financial advisor, or a small team of 10 in a credit union. So in terms of a strategy as a business, it would be way too risky for us to just pursue some of the larger high street brands because they're, they're far more unpredictable, longer sales cycles, while the value's high, and it's great when we win these guys. Um, it's also great to get live in some of the smaller organisations because what really moves the dial and gets people interested is results. So we went live in H2 2018 and our first client was a credit union and we were blown away by how well their staff reacted to it, how well their members reacted to it and the performance it drove. And that gives us the... um, insight to be able to have conversations about the level of business benefits this can deliver to other people and word of mouth on the back of those real results spreads so we started getting noticed then by the bigger credit unions like the NHS credit union and they put it live and they they cut six week sign up times down to 15 minutes and again that word spreads once your service is live and not just an idea People can see it, people can touch it, people can see the results, people can see the advocacy that's building in the client base. It's tangible. Um, So very quickly we started spreading into some of the high street brands, the likes of uh, Shawbrook Bank and Sainsbury's Bank and other verticals across professional services and accountancy and having similar types of results. So, yeah, it just starts growing in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about, obviously, spun out of Barclays. You then said... One of the benefits of being able to spin out Barclays is you could take on outside investment. So your decision to take investment, how, how, what were the thought processes that you went through in terms of how much, who from, things like that? The first chunk was in October 2017, which was uh, circa 400k as an SEIS, an EIS round, largely friends and family from angels. And that was effectively, let's get 12 to 18 months runway to take this thing from a concept to see if we can get it live in about 10 early adopters and move from a view of, I think this is going to work, to we have proven we can sell this tool and it will deliver real value for those clients. Uh, And we successfully hit that first milestone towards the end of 2018. Um, Obviously, in the background, we'd been building relationships with other other investors. Uh, And we kind of found ourselves in a place where 
we had two options. Number one, we have a completely unique product, right? No one else does what we do. But we're not naive enough to think that competition couldn't enter the market. Other organisations with more resources couldn't quickly move in. It's hard to copy. There's a lot of brain power in it. But it's not impossible for someone to do something similar. So we were faced with two options of keep building and effectively bootstrapping on a small team with um, lower than market salaries, doing everything we can um, to a point where we get to more revenue per month than expenditure. Um, but we felt the risk of doing that and the, our inability to really grow to our ambition, like this is a network. We want every consumer talking to every regulated service provider through our network. That scale of ambition can't be enabled on Bootstrap for us. Uh, it's beyond a UK ambition as well. So we decided that raising one and a half million pounds would be um, a good amount of money to give us the next bit of firepower to hit the annual recurring revenue targets we wanted from income and showing a growth rate in the use of our product across brands and consumers, all with a verified identity, all choosing to engage uh, repeatedly through our network. Yeah, it was really a combination of needing more fuel to power our ambition at a pace we wanted to and being able to head off the threat of competitive entrance uh, entering our space, so keeping our product ahead. So how did you go about raising that money? We built a bunch of relationships over the course of... Uh, before we even spun out of Barclays. You know, we uh, just have those natural relationships of people we enjoy conversations with and, and enjoy talking to anyway. So you know, the likes of, uh, of GP Bullhound and Paul Googe and Scott Fletcher, who were some of our uh, initial angels. You know, we've been talking to them before we came out of Barclays, saying, hey, we've got this idea, what do you think... This is what we're going to do with it. This is what it's going to look like in six months. And so over the course of a couple of years, we kept saying, hey, we've done that thing we said we'd do, and here's what we're going to do in the next six months. So you're kind of building trust and rapport, and uh, the relationships are positive there anyway. Um, so when it comes to the point of actually there's an investment opportunity, those doors are much easier to open. There probably two other camps of new relationships we developed um, with Elizabeth Gooch, for example, who was an early mentor, um, CEO and founder of EG Solutions, a successful business process optimization technology company. Um, and she's shown us a lot of support in helping our early sales get off the ground. And then when we got into a position of being able to move for investment, she was instrumental in opening up some of her connections into London uh, and also leading negotiations with the Angel Co-Fund um, or being a lead investor representing angels as we did part of the deal with the Angel Co-Fund. So, yeah, a lot of it was building on relationships we already had uh, and the rest was talking to uh, institutional and angels that were introduced to our network. I think it's very interesting what you're saying because effectively you've, albeit not formally, but you've been fundraising for two years. Would that be a fair, a fair assumption? Building those relationships, talking about you know, the benchmarks, the targets you're trying to hit, you know, that's been, a, that's been a, as much a process that's gone on over two years to enable you to raise money when you want it. Would that be, would that be a fair assumption? What, what's really going on is we're, we're entrepreneurs who love and are obsessed by technology and making things better. And the reality is that a lot of the angels who we're talking to 
and the people in key roles in the institutions we're talking to are well role models for us in a way they are also energized by the sector and they've been there successfully and built a brilliant company and they're also energized by the kind of disruptive technology we're trying to build so even if there was not an investment conversation on the table over a beer or a coffee with any of these guys we could wide away the hours talking about tech so it's much more of a natural relationship development but there's, a, but there's a degree of ed- education that's going on as yeah, part of that process absolutely yeah 100 percent um we want their feedback on the journey we're going on. We want them to be looking at it, to be saying, this is the kind of thing we would support or we'd invest our own time or our own resources or our own funds into um, because that's a great sense to check as we're going. And then when it comes to the point of, hey, actually, thanks for your support so far. It's meant a lot to us. And we'd love to have you on board for our next stage. But actually, the, the people in the organisations you're talking about yeah. are also... Tech, very tech-savvy, very tech-focused. So what you've been able to do is arguably get the right kind of investors on board as part of that yeah, journey. Yeah. And that's got to be as important as yeah, how much they're prepared to put in, is, is how supportive and how much they understand the business and the product. Absolutely. Um, I'm really proud of the mix of investors we've brought on board. Um, the relationships are very positive, extremely supportive. So in terms of how you look at Nevo, personally... And I guess also as a business, what does success look like? Yeah, well, we want, we want to, our mission statement is to transform how easy it is for anybody to get the right financial product or service for them. So it all comes back to friction. We think um, it's too hard to get the right deal. Like, all, all of us listening and involved in this recording can be on a better product if we're prepared to invest the time and the effort. We're not prepared to invest that time and effort it's not convenient enough friction is the single biggest barrier there so we're obsessed with getting over that and, and also the impact that has it creates an unfair marketplace that's why we love working with the credit unions a brilliant friendly ethical proposition so what we're trying to do is create a network where any institution can offer their customers the top financial services digital experience instantly overnight which would have previously cost millions and that's a big vision for us. If everyone's walking down the street, sending an Evo message for everything they need to do with any regulated service provider, um, that would be a nice outcome. I agree. It sounds a fantastic ambition, actually. And it sounds like you're on your way to achieving it. So final question. What advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs? And I'm going to narrow that down within the fintech space. If you have an opportunity that within your own well-considered frames of, of ambition and risk appetite, you're able to go and pursue, go for it. The other point would be try and find a way to balance those risks as well, depending on your personality. So I'm full of drive and creativity and energy, high points, endorphins and adrenaline. There are low points. But the real, the real thing for me was um, lots of faith, and support and trust in my co-founder, Mike, in terms of how his skills and style complement and balance my own, as well as the quality of Tim and Justin, who joined as our technical engineers. This is a tier one team of, of people who trust each other uh, and balance each other in terms of skills and energy and approach. Uh, and therefore, the decision to leave 
Well-paid jobs in, in Barclays is one I don't regret for a second. And anyone who's in a similar position to that, coming from banking with some experience, if they have an opportunity to go and do a fintech idea, they feel that idea is proven to some level and they feel they can do that inside their own risk parameters, uh, just get it done. It's an amazing experience. Brilliant. Well, Matt Elliott, thank you very much indeed for sharing both yours and Nevo's digital journey. Thanks for listening. I'm Nick Horrocks from X.0 Advisory. Make sure you subscribe for the latest episode of My Digital Journey. 